Hello, welcome to CPP Chat, one of only two podcasts by C++ developers for C++ developers. And we have a special guest today because we have guests from the other such podcasts. <laughs> and we are excited to have uh, Jason Turner and Rob Irving uh, from CPP Cast joining us today as we reboot CPP Chat. And we're calling this a reboot because there's some changes that we're doing with CPP Chat. And those changes are really because we now have a new producer. So I'd like to introduce Phil Nash as uh, the producer of the show. And he's got a lot of great things that are going on. Some of you have already noticed we have a cool icon. If you want to have a sticker with that icon, just ask one of us when you're at C++ Now, because you all are all going to C++ Now, right? So uh, ask for a sticker. We're going to have those there. Anyway, Phil, you want to talk about how you got involved and uh, what, what your plans are for the show? Yeah, uh, this is a bit strange because uh, you've already asked this question a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> we, we recorded that episode and we haven't put it out yet. But uh, So you'll hear all this again. But so explain when, that. So, okay, so the uh, couple of weeks ago we were at the ACCU conference um, and we decided to do a conference special episode there. But that, of course that wasn't live. So we've recorded that. It's all been edited, ready to go. We wanted to make this one the first um, actual episode of the new series. So we've held that one back. But when that does come out, you're going to get all of the introduction again at the start. So sorry about that. Uh, so I'll say again what I said then, which is that um, when uh, you were on um, CPPcast um, a few months ago now, uh, John, you were saying that you wanted to uh, restart, the, um, restart the show and make it into a podcast as well. And we're looking for a uh, producer and a co-host. So um, I was actually listening to it while I was dropping off to sleep at the time. So I didn't really have enough restraint not to actually volunteer for the role. So <laughs> that's how I've ended up uh, doing this now. That's, that's the secret to getting volunteers. Ask them at their moment of weakness. <laughs> that's about it. So our, um, our disclaimer, as you know, we have a disclaimer every episode. The disclaimer is this podcast contains compounds known to the state of California to cause cancer and birth defects or other reproductive harm. Um, so, uh, regular listeners of either this podcast or, um, CPP cast know there's a slight difference in the format in for CPP cast. There's a couple news items and then it's an interview format. We tend to go kind of the opposite where we want to talk about whatever's the news in C++, but when we have new guests on, we, uh, we want to interview them, particularly if it's their first time on to get a little bit about their background and find out more about what they're doing, the sort of thing that they do in depth. On their show. So uh, today on As the Table Turns, we find that our intrepid heroes, Jason and Rob, have the tables turned on them as they are interrogated about their show, their work, and their programming history. So for those of you who are um, who are in the Slack chat room, and I hope there's lots of you there, this is your opportunity to fire questions at us. But I, I guess we'll start off the first question, uh, focusing kind of on the show. I know Rob started the show. So Rob, when you started the show, did you think you'd be going three years at this? Ah, uh, geez, I don't know if I would have made it this long when I first started the show. Um, I'm really glad that we have gone for three years. I'm really proud of the show that we've we've made. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely saw that there was a huge gap that there wasn't any C plus plus focused podcast uh, out there beforehand. So. I, I thought there would be an audience for it, and, and I'm really glad that we have found a really strong audience in the show. 
It is, it is kind of surprising. If you look at other, yeah. other stuff, there's lots of podcasts in other languages and other areas. And, um, and not many in the C++ world. I, I don't know if there's some particular reason for that. but I mean, my, my thought on it is just because you know, maybe the C++ community wasn't a, as strong or, or not. I mean, for, for years, there wasn't a whole lot of news going around the C++ community unless you were like, closely following Boost, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then once C++ 11 came out and there became a lot of excitement, maybe that uh, kind of brought the community together, made them you know, have something to get excited about. And that was you know, shortly after then is when I started the podcast. So how is the show today different than you envisioned what it would be? Were you intending from the beginning that it would be a single guest in deep interview kind of format? Was that what you had in mind? Yeah, that's definitely what I had in mind. Um, there's some other podcasts that I kind of used to watch or listen to a lot that I kind of was drawing some inspiration from. Um, .NET Rocks and MS Dev Show are, are two kind of Microsoft and .NET-y focused podcasts. And I kind of, we, we have a similar format to them with CPPcast. Is it easier or harder than you expected to get guests? Uh, it's become a lot easier. <laughs> it, it was a little hard uh, during the first year or so, um, kind of just hunting down conference speakers and, and such like that. But uh, but I feel like we're somewhat well-known in the community now, and, and we get a lot of people kind of coming towards us. We get a lot of uh, listeners suggesting like, hey, I, I really want to find out more about this you know, library or, you know, I know that there's this author or conference speaker. I'd really love to hear from them. So we get a, a ton of guest suggestions that way. And it's become a lot easier to uh, to get people scheduled for the show. Well, your last show, you, you scored a really good guest with uh, Kevin Henney, who's, you know, people could listen to him talk forever, right? He's, he's very oh, articulate, yeah. very witty and, and extremely knowledgeable. He's been around a long yeah. time. Uh, on the standards committee, knows stuff about C++, you know, where the skeletons are buried from a very long time ago, right? Um, uh, I didn't hear him mention this on the show, but but I was really impressed that he, he's the one who suggested instead of wide care T, use long care. I was like, what a great idea. We should use long care. But he didn't win that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Jason, um, how, did, uh, how did Rob talk you into helping out with all this? Did he figure some way of catching you in a vulnerable moment like uh <laughs> <laughs> sounds terrible um no I, I think rob just dropped subtle hints for a few weeks in a row on cpp cast until i volunteered myself because he kept saying things like oh i wish that i had a co-host who uh, came from a different background than i do and uses <laughs> linux instead of windows or and stuff like that and and like, I sound suspiciously like this person he's talking about. So I think I'll send him an email and see what happens. The, the C++ community is so diverse. And, you know, I, I think there is a huge fragmentation between like Windows and Visual Studio users and, and more Linux focused users. And, and I think it was important to kind of have representation for that. And, and I definitely wasn't, you know, very knowledgeable of the, the Linux side of things. So I was really glad to get Jason on. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of diversity. I mean, it's yeah. just there's there's so much stuff going on where there's people who think they're in the entire world, like you know, game programmers or something like that, and they don't realize no C is everything from yeah. uh, small embedded systems to huge, you know, multi peer uh, networks and all sorts of stuff that people are doing in C So it's really hard for any one person 
I think uh, Bjarne has said on more than one occasion, nobody knows what the typical C++ programmers are doing. Yeah, and you know, uh, game programming, like you said, high frequency trading, that's getting a lot of the attention lately. But in my experience over the last year training, like, like that's a tiny fraction of the people who are using C++. The rest of them are the researchers at the um, oil company that you don't even know exist. Right. You know? Yes. There are people who are doing incredible stuff. And you've, I think you guys had a guest on once who was using uh, C++ for some kind of geology thing or something the like that. Seismological data yeah. scanning of some sort. Yeah. Whoever would have thought of that? And yet, no, it kind of makes sense. You've got tons and tons of data and you have to analyze it quickly. It sounds like a job for C++, but it's not what you, you know, when you say who's using C++, you don't immediately say, well, people analyzing seismological data, of course. No. So, so there's a huge diversity. And we share a lot in common. We're, we're struggling with the same kinds of issues in many situations, but but the domains are are completely different. And, and in order to really understand them, you have to have some expertise in all those domains. It's kind of, kind of out there. So, um, so did you think that would last this long? I mean, you're, uh, the, the show itself is now over three years, right? I think you're at episode 146. We just did 147. Is, yeah. Like yeah. That. So, um, I, and when did you join? It, it wasn't that long after. It's episode no. seven or something. That early? Seven or eight. It was pretty early. I didn't realize. It. Yeah. So you've been there. Yeah, it was pretty early. The first episode was in February of 2015. And I think Jason joined just after like two months or so. I yeah. yeah, I joined like two weeks before that first C++ now that I spoke up. Right. And who, who was the first guest on the show? Uh, that would be Mr. Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> and who was the second guest on the show? Uh, Jason. <laughs> Worked out well. You were there really early too, though. No, I didn't turn you, up until I episode You were there 13. in the 2000s episodes, weren't you? 13. 13. Okay, that's close. I counted that this morning. A lucky number. Yeah. Um, so actually, although we're talking about the show, I do want to, before we get too far in, I want to talk a little bit about ACCU because we were just there. Maybe we don't want to talk too much about it because we did have uh, the show and we're going to put that up. We have a target on that next week sometime is that the goal yeah, i think next weekend we're going to aim for all right so so the goal for our next episode will be to put the accu episode and then the next episode will probably be the c plus now episode and i don't think you're planning to be there right rob no i'm not gonna make it to c plus but um we hope we can get jason in that episode as well and a room <laughs> full of people um, as as we, you did last year, in other as words. We did last year, in other words, yes. Um, that's a that's an easy format to put together in that situation. It's yeah. a little bit chaotic at a conference like that, but it also captures. I think I hope it captures some of the energy of the conference, and you you get a feel for it. And I will say, this was my first ACCU, and it was different than I expected in a few ways. And I, I learned some things about it. One of the things that surprised me is that I had. I had kind of, from what I had observed, thought that ACCU was kind of distancing itself from C++. It's very clearly a C++-focused conference. The, um, uh, uh, the, the, the outlook is that we include a lot of other languages, but we include them from the point of view of, of someone who's a C++ programmer thinking about these other languages. So it really very much is more of a C++ conference than I ever thought of. 
Um, and I found that kind of interesting and, and learned a little bit about AC, uh, C++ or about ACCU that way. Um, and got to meet some of the other people who were doing local ACC groups and things like that. Um, so I, I enjoyed that and learned about that. And it's, uh, I think it's in its 22nd year. Is that what, Bill, is that what um, Francis said? I don't remember the specific figure, but that sounds about right, yes. Sounds about right, yeah. And um, you might think, well, that sounds like a tired old conference, but no, there's a lot of energy. It was very exciting. Uh, a lot of a lot of good feelings and a lot of good stuff and already talking about what they're what they're planning to do next year. They have some interesting ideas about education and stuff next year. So it's really exciting what's, what's going on there. Um, and then um, after that, I went to um, C++ Russia. And I've been joking about the people that I have difficulty now moving around in the house because my head is so swollen that I won't, uh, I, can't, I can't fit through the doorway because I, I did a keynote speech there. And so I've changed my LinkedIn profile to say I'm now an international keynote speaker. And um, anything that you say to me that is directly related to uh, being a keynote speaker at C++ Russia, uh, I'm likely to bring it up. And in fact, that pretty much includes any word in English or Russian. <laughs> I'm just full of myself. So that was great. Um, the, the Russian conference was very different than ACCU. There was a lot less community. I remember going to lunch and it seemed like this was er very early on and, um, and there weren't a lot of people in the lunchroom yet, but it seemed like everybody had gone and sat at a separate table <laughs> instead, of, instead of sitting with other people at the conference. And um, it's just, yeah, that's not, that's not the way we expect, that's not the way I expect a conference to be. You expect people to get together and, and chat with each other and stuff like that. Um, but it was, uh, people were very warm and friendly, and it was very, there was a lot of excitement going on. They had a lot of exhibitors, and the exhibitors were really engaged with people and stuff like that. So it was, it was pretty amazing, and, and a very large conference. Um, there was like 700 people there. It was larger than the first. Wow. First CPP con, and uh, so kind of the pressure is on to keep. I want CPP con to always be the biggest conference, and so I got to keep building. <laughs> How big is ACCU, by the way? I think they said they had like 400 registrations, oh, okay. but they have uh, a lot of people who were there like only one day. So I don't think they had 400 people there on one day. Did they get that right? Yeah, it's definitely over 400 in total. Over four. Not all of them uh, on any particular day. Yeah. Um, I think someone does have the figures of what the peak attendance was, and it was in the 300s, I think, but about that. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, but anyway, I wanted to talk about that while we were there. Now I want to kind of shift this and talk a little bit about um, you guys' background. So we talked about the show, but how did you guys get to where you got? Um, I'm going to start picking on you again, Rob. Sure. Um, but, you know, when did you start programming? Is this something you did as a young kid or was this when you were in college? And, you know, yeah, I, I'm not one of those kids who was like programming on a Commodore 64 or anything uh, growing up. I was mostly playing video games games and, and stuff like that. Uh, not like Jason. Um, but I did take, uh, I think, some some basic programming classes in high school. And I, I really liked computers growing up. Wait, well, um, which basic? I don't remember. This There's school, like man. 75 <laughs> dialects of basic. This is, was it on a PC? 
Yes, it was on a PC. Was it DOS or Windows? I want to say DOS. Was it a blue background when you were editing or a black background? (laughs) I have a really bad memory. Um, I I attribute that to being a tall guy and hitting my head a lot. Um, So I honestly, details like that from when I was in like high school and stuff, I'm just not going to (laughs) remember. Okay. So probably GW Basic or Q Basic, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked computers, and I decided I was going to go for uh, computer engineering. Uh, went to the College of New Jersey, uh, decided I liked the comp sci end of things a little bit more, so that's what I pursued after graduating. So you switched majors, or you graduated with computer engineering? Graduated computer engineering, but knew that I wanted to do something in... Basically you know, software engineering. Yeah, software engineering. All right. And um, I've got some hints from some of the things you said that you can't completely talk about absolutely everything you do is that the case um i I can talk about my current job i I can talk about my previous job too that that i was working at uh when i first started the podcast um uh, i I will say my my current job i'm actually not like doing c plus plus 100 of the time uh it's a mix of c sharp and c plus plus but I work on uh, the Windows version of an application that also targets Android and iPhone. So we have a big C++ map engine library. Um, that's just not what my focus is on the company. I'm more focused on the Windows application. That's right. You moved during the show. You were living in New Jersey when your show started. Yeah. So I... Right? I'm sorry, what was that? You're now in the Triangle. Yeah, I moved from New Jersey to the, the North Carolina Research Triangle area about two and a half years ago. Uh, when I was in New Jersey, I worked for a company called uh, ALK Technologies, and they make a mobile navigation app that you can get on your phone called Copilot. And uh, that was a pretty interesting project to work on because it was like 99% shared C++ across all the platforms. We had the just a really thin layer of either Java or C Sharp in order to get it on the platform and, and rendering to the screen and talking to various platform APIs, but it was a, a very large amount of uh, shared cross-platform C++ code. Okay. Yeah. Um, so is this, uh, do you feel, since you're not doing C++ full-time, do you feel like you get more out of the show because it keeps you in touch with C++, or do you... Yeah, I, I definitely like kind of staying more in touch with the language by, by talking about it every week. Um, and although I, I haven't started on this project yet, I was kind of hoping to start on it before we, we sat down to do this today. But I, I'm planning on starting some kind of C++ side project, which I really haven't done in a long time. Um, we Jason and I were both kind of inspired by our, our recent guest who did a cute cross-platform mobile app during a conference talk episode um, was, that, was that sarah yeah jason yes yeah so i i would want to make a uh, a c++ mobile app for the for the podcast um so i want to make basically a cpp cast mobile app and, and write it in c++ with a uh, cute mobile um i'm planning on starting on that soon uh once i have something to show for it i'll probably put it up on github and and see if any listeners want to contribute to it yeah and uh, make that open source you're going to get just so many yeah. pull requests, right uh, pull requests to go east const west const uh, <laughs> <laughs> they might not be useful pull requests but you'll get lots of them 
That's East Const and Const West, I believe, right? Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> All right, Jason, let's pick on you for a little bit. Um, we know that you did some Commodore 64. At least I assume you did that when you were a kid. You didn't just start when you did Keynotes, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, uh, let's see. My first actual programming that I recall doing was on BASIC on a TI-99-4A. And then the Commodore 64. And then... I added it up at some point. It was like seven different dialects of BASIC that I programmed on before I became a professional programmer, or by the time I became a professional. And then I got away from that as quickly as I could into C++. Oh, really? You jumped from BASIC to C++? Uh, well, uh, professionally, I did. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. From a hobby perspective, I had been using C or C++, been playing with it since about nineteen ninety four five right before starting no that was 96 that was yeah turn of turn of 1996 right before starting college with assembly uh playing around at the same time so 86 to be clear <laughs> you were playing with assembly before you started college a little bit yes i 100 percent attribute that to my cousin john who uh introduced me to these things which We've never had out our show what's that which assembly? That uh, was uh, using, um, I don't remember which assembler, but it was x86 and it was 32-bit uh, stuff on the 386. It was a long time ago. It was a brief foray into that thing. And, and we, had, we had a lot of fun on a uh, project where we made a simple bootable floppy. You could just, you know, put it in boot and it would give you a directory listing of all the programs that were on there. We had to make our own, you know, very lightweight file system of some sort, and then it could launch and, and jump into the program that it loaded from the floppy. We should have your cousin on our show sometime, Jason. We should. Uh, I mention him fairly often to people. Yeah. He comes up in conversations because well, our, our programming experience has paralleled each other for the last 20 Oh my goodness! <laughs> Let's twenty-five yeah, years or whatever. That gets kind of sad and depressing. <laughs> it does. But I will say, on the topic of basic, he and I actually started a simple, like uh, Ultima-style game engine in Quick Basic back in high uh -huh. school. So it was the first pair programming or anything any project that I worked on was with him. Uh huh. Long time ago. So, so when you went to school, where did you go to school? We both went to Virginia Tech, if I can answer for him also. Yeah. <laughs> really did parallel a lot, yes. Uh, so he, he's about your age then? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Six months um, older than I am. So then uh, how long, uh, I assume you didn't, uh, most people when they get out of college don't immediately start freelancing. I assume you had, uh, if, I can, if I can say this, you had an honest job for some period of time. <laughs> um, Yes, from I graduated in 2000 and until 2010, I worked in regular jobs for the most part. In what kind of industry? Um, every job that I worked was in a different industry. So my first one was in digital document deliveries, and that was with Quick Basic, or excuse me, Visual Basic, and then um, uh, health insurance, which was Visual Basic. And then my next job was the Colorado State of Unemployment Insurance System. And then 
uh, home automation where I did some embedded work. And then I worked in security at a telecom. Yes. And at some, and at some point you just decided I could do this on my own. Um, I got a, uh, an open source project that I'd been working on caught the eye of a local company. They asked me if there's any chance I'd be available for contracting. And oh, by the way, do you happen to live near Golden, Colorado? And I'm like, in fact, I do happen to live near Golden, Colorado. So I took the opportunity to do contracting with them and jump ship. Yeah, eight years ago now. Was this high script? No, no, that was, um, it was a little project called the Swig Starter Kit which I haven't maintained since then, really. But the idea was to show you how to, how to use Swig in your C++ application. And what's Swig? The Simplified Wrapper Interface Generator, which can be used for parsing C++ headers and generating bindings for something like 25 different languages. Is it really that so many? It's a yeah. lot. I've, I've personally targeted... I think six different languages with it. Python, Java, JavaScript, C Sharp, C, uh, Ruby, hmm. Hmm. whatever, so, something like that. So the idea is you've got some code written in C++. You'd like to be able to access it from another language. And you use this swig to, uh, to spit out the bindings, to generate the bindings. Yes. I see. Okay. Yeah, it sucks in headers, or you can you can specify the interface if you want to, or you can have it directly parse your headers. Having it directly parse your headers takes some discipline to write headers that are clean and easily parsable by it, so that it's you know good for that. I think there was more on Swig in episode two of CPPcast. <laughs> there might have I been. I want to go back and, and listen to that. There's oh, also that's... a um, we've got a question in the chat for sure for Jason. Um, how long did it take to build up going full time contracting? Um, okay. So I got a tiny side contract from that organization I mentioned. And then, uh, long story short, my manager found out about it. And then it was very quickly after that, that I went full time. <laughs> <laughs> so driven by fear, uh, a, a, a tad, um, it's, uh, my, my, my job was kind of ending at my regular, at the company that I was working full time for. So, uh, I managed to down, or you mean it just wasn't I was being uh, pushed out of my job effectively yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I took the opportunity and then uh, that was with the National Renewable Energy Lab in Golden, Colorado and I've been working with them since then mm-hmm. uh, and the project that we're working on is open source and there's industry partners that want to use that open source project so I had the great advantage of kind of being farmed out to some of those industry f- partners also so I was working with them and uh, three other organizations off and on for the last uh, for the last while until I started working with CPPcast and then my my life kind of changed a little bit after that. Your visibility went up a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so you've done you started to get into some training stuff. Yes, I've. Yes, <laughs> that is most of my work <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Is that right? You do more training than you do uh, other consulting at this point. Um, definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Rob, I mean, I uh, depending on the month, I'm I'm traveling every other week, and Rob and I are trying to figure out the schedule to yeah. keep recording the the show. It's, Scheduling it's has gotten a little more difficult over the past few months. Yeah, but uh, done a pretty good job keeping up. Yeah, and um, you will be doing a class for CPPCon again. Yes. And so is 
Uh, Phil. Phil's also doing a class. I am. In fact, I think I'm up against you, Jason. Are you in the post-week? <laughs> I am. Weekend? Yeah. Hmm. So we need to have some sort of throwdown in Aspen to see who wins the most students. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil's doing this in kind of an innovative format because he uh, divided the class such that the first day is kind of standalone or you can extend. So he's doing, it's not a one day class or a two day class. It's a choose your own adventure class. You can either do one day or two, uh, uh, however much, uh, however much works in your travel schedule. So, Yeah, it's going to be about uh, TDD. And I think it's going to take two days to really cover it in, in sufficient depth. But I know a lot of people are not really going to want to commit to two days about TDD. So I felt quite hard about structuring the course that way. We'll Tell see how it works. what TDD means. They may not be putting together that you're the, the author of Catch and they may not realize that you're talking well, obviously, the, the simple answer to that is you'll have to come to the course to find out. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, it, it stands for test-driven development, which um, is, a, is really more of a design process than, than a testing strategy. So there's quite a lot in there that's not just about testing. So that, that's why it's going to take a while to, to cover it. We will actually use Catch in the course <laughs> because it's uh, simple to get up and running with. I'll also offer to, um, to let people use Sea Lion. We'll, uh, we'll have uh, licenses for that available so that everyone can use uh, the same IDE, ideally. Uh, ah. So all these things come together, all, all connected. <laughs> That's handy that you can pass out some Sea uh, Lion licenses. And, and how do you have the opportunity to do that? It, it does help that I'm a developer <laughs> advocate at JetBrains for Sea Lion and other oh. tools. Um, but actually, anyone else that's, that's doing something similar, um, do come and talk to me because we may be able to do uh, like a similar deal, just like a very short-term trial license for attendees of a course or, or training. That's cool. JetBrains has, in fact, been very supportive of uh, of the community, right? They're, yeah. They're yeah. supporting almost every conference that's going on. Every time you go to an event, uh, JetBrains is there at some level supporting supporting it and user groups can um raffle off licenses for um <coughs> for JetBrains products so that's great um actually i should probably turn this on you now phil uh so we know that you're the author of catch you're doing some training you're the developer advocate at JetBrains. are you also doing consulting or are you you know, what, what is your life about? Yeah, so well, I've been at JetBrains for a year and a half now. Um, my relationship with JetBrains is I am full-time with them, but it is a contract. So um, obviously, within reason, I can do other things as well, particularly if they do work well with, with my role at JetBrains. So doing a course on TDD where we use C-Line plays right into that. Sure. Um, but so, you're not yeah, doing I, a lot of training. No, no, that would really take away from my my main role i think so you have I to see. put a limit somewhere sure. Sure. okay interesting interesting yeah. a lot of conference talks of course all right so my training business is threatened more by <laughs> boy jason than by you. Okay, well, I just want to keep that. for the moment i have to know where the threats are coming from <laughs> <laughs> um so we've got um c++ now coming up c++ now uh, 
Jason, Jason speaking. Uh, you're speaking, Phil, and then we're going to do the show there. Uh, uh, what else do we need to talk about for C++ now? There's only a few days left to buy tickets. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And um, if you don't make it, the videos will be um, coming out shortly after. And, of course, they're being sponsored by JetBrains again, I believe. That's right. That's very good. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Are, uh, are, were we able to secure the professional recording this year again? Yes. yes. Okay. It is going to be uh, Bash Films doing this again. And, okay, very good. Um, I'm very pleased and excited about that. We've all been delighted with the quality of what they've done. In fact, it allowed me to charge JetBrains more money to be a video sponsor, which, <laughs> which made me happy. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then there's, but there's some, there's some stuff going on with CppCon that we should talk about. We've already talked about the training, and I, you know, CppCon is never going to sell out. That's just we're designing it so that we always anticipate how much we're going to grow. So we don't expect it to sell out. But individual classes will sell out. So if you want to go to Jason's class or you want to go to Phil's class, um, and we have a very special workshop that's a one-day workshop for people who want to be better at doing technical presentations. And that's, um, that's what Andre and Scott and Kate. So um, Andre Alexandrescu, Scott Myers, and, and Kate Gregory are going to, I put on a one-day workshop, and that, unfortunately, because part of the workshop is you're going to get up and do a little bit of presentation of your own material, and they're going to give you critique on that. But that limits the, the size of the class, because if everybody gets, you know, three or four minutes, that fills up fast. So if you, and, and I'm not sure, I hope that they decide this is a lot of fun and they want to do it again next year, but there's absolutely no guarantee this will be done again next year. This is literally a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have uh, three of really the best uh, present presenters in our business talk to you about how you can be a better conference speaker, or even if not a conference speaker, local group speaker, or even within your company. Everybody at one time or another is going to present their own project. And the this is literally a one-time, well, possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm not saying that's for sure because I hope they would do it again next year, but I wouldn't count on that. Um, and it is, um, it's very limited how many people we have, how many spots there are. So absolutely. And um, it's at the beginning before the conference instead of after. So you don't have to miss either Phil or Jason's class to attend. Um, the other things to about, know about CPPCon are we just opened up uh, registration generally. So as again, I, I said, we're, we don't plan to sell out, but you do want to get your registration, particularly for the classes. And the deadline for, uh, for getting submissions in is the end of C++ now. So you basically got a couple of weeks left to get those done. I plan on writing mine during C++ now. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and um, we are also putting out a call to get more people on the program committee. Again, because... Um, we expect to get a lot of submissions, and uh, we want to take those very, very seriously, and it's really, really tough. We'd love to be able to just say, oh, we've had this speaker before, and they're great. We'll just take them again. That's not the way we do it. We really do look at the proposal, and we, and we want to have new voices. We want to have, of course, we want to have experienced speakers as well. So 
Um, so if you're at all interested in being on the program committee, uh, please contact me and I'll uh, get you some information and you can take a look and see if that's what you want to do. What about uh, volunteers and student volunteers? Are those submissions open right now? Um, we have not done the call for volunteers. That's going to be very different this year. Oh. Well, um, so we are going to have a grant program. And in the past, the deal for volunteers has simply been, if you volunteer, you don't have to register. Or you don't have to pay to register. Everybody registers. But you don't have to pay to register. So uh, this year, that will still be true for most people, but we will have a grant program so that a few people will actually, if you're coming in from out of town, we will help you uh, either with your uh, lodging or with your travel or maybe uh, some of both, something like that. This hasn't been fully figured out yet. And, and that's on my plate to make that announcement. And we haven't made that announcement officially yet, but it's a, it's a departure for us because as I said, in the past, it has been kind of a straight deal. At C++ Now, we use a different approach. At C++ Now, we put out a call for student volunteers and we get applications from all over the world. It is very, very competitive because we're only gonna take maybe six volunteers. And we will see to it that their uh, travel and lodging costs are covered. And so that's very, very, uh, very competitive. The, the applications right. were really good. Um, at CPPCon, we, we do not have a limit to how many volunteers we can have. At C++ Now, there's actually a limit of how many people can be at the conference physically. Uh, the venue specifies in the contract that we can only have so many people on site. So... If we have more volunteers, that means fewer attendees. Um, at CPPCon, that's not really an issue. We can have, as I said, we're never going to sell out at CPPCon. So our attitude has always been different, and we have a lot of volunteers. And, and if you want to attend and we'll waive your registration cost, you will have to do some work, but mostly you get to see the sessions you want to see. And so... You know, I've had, I've had volunteers come to me and say, John, it was much more fun to be a volunteer than to be a regular attendee. And I always say, shh, don't tell anybody. because somebody <laughs> has to um, So, but, but now we're actually trying to be more aggressive about not just relying on local attendees be volunteers. Uh, we want to be able to make it possible for someone who doesn't happen to live in the same city where the con conference is to be able to volunteer. So we're, so we're trying to get into a model where there is, in addition to people who just want to come and have their registration waived, as long as you want to do that, it's fine. But we will also have a submission process where you can send an application. And uh, what we look for are uh, involvement in the C++ community and commitment to C++. So we're looking for your GitHub account. We look that you've uh, been working on libraries that are publicly available. We look to see, are you doing tutoring? Are you involved in local user groups? Have you worked at conferences before? Do you have a blog? Those are the kinds of things we look at. And if you're active and plugged into the community, then that's pretty attractive for us as a, um, as a, as a volunteer. I have a couple of friends who said uh, last year their company wasn't going to pay for the conference. They said, that's fine. We'll just volunteer and pay our own travel and had a great time with the volunteer program at CBPCon specifically. Our commitment has always been that as a volunteer, you will spend at least half of your time in sessions. We've never even come close to that. 
you you will be in sessions almost all the time. Now the thing is, there is an info desk, and someone has to be at that info desk. We have two people there all the time, so someone has to be missing sessions. So you're not going to be in sessions all the time, but you won't miss very many sessions. You'll mostly be in sessions, and and we'll assign you sessions. So it won't necessarily always be the session you want most, but what my experience with volunteers has been, you know, I never would have gone to that session, but I got more out of it because I didn't know what to expect. I got more out of it than I would have at some other session. So it's absolutely a wonderful way to attend the conference. You'll get to know people better. You'll get to know the speakers better because you'll be working with some of them. It's, it's, it's yeah. Being a volunteer is a great way to go. Cool. Particularly if you can't get your company paid for. <laughs> right. <laughs> Going back to speaker submissions for a moment. Is it worth mentioning that uh, if you are going to submit to CPPCon, uh, we've got a couple of weeks left, that there is a, an email list for uh, for mentoring if you want some help with your submission? Um, we can put that in the, the show notes for the for the podcast. Right. Um, we call it the submission advice list. If you are thinking, I have an idea, but I don't know, maybe it's crazy, send it to the submission advice. Say, this is what the title would be. This is what the abstract would be. And there are people who are volunteers who are experienced people giving talks and they will look at that abstract and, you know, they can't speak for the committee. They don't speak officially for the conference, but they will give you advice. They'll say, this is how to make that more compelling. And um, what I would, what I would warn you about though, is that right before the submission deadline, this gets really busy and you're not going to get much <laughs> attention. Um, if you have an idea, send that in the next few days and give them, you know, Get in before the crowd, in other words, and give, give yourself some time to get some feedback and to make the submission you want. It's already getting very busy. Uh, I think it's also worth putting out a call for more volunteers to, to help with that list as well. Okay. Yeah, we should do that. We should do that because that's, um, that's the people who are on that list are, are special. It's very talented, and, and, uh, and they're giving great advice and doing quite a service. So. I am actually have been considering... A blog post. I wrote a blog post recently called um, I don't know what I call it. Something about how to how to come up with a talk, a topic. Oh yes, to talk about. That was a good post. Um, and I think I'm going to do one called "So You Want to Be a Conference Speaker," and just talk about all the issues you need to think about. If you know, maybe you're not thinking about CPPCon this year, but maybe you're thinking, well, one day I would like to be a conference speaker. Um, so these are things to think about how to get to that position. And one of the things. To think about is you know get on the program committee and look at lots and lots of submissions and that will help you when it's time to write your own submission those are the kinds of things um rob are you going to be submitting for cpp i'm not sure if we're going to be submitting it i'm definitely going to make it to the conference this year oh you're definitely going to make it i mean i haven't bought my ticket yet but i I plan to be there this year you said it here that's a commitment (laughs) i i heard i heard a definite commitment yeah Yeah, Yeah. i'm going to do my best (laughs) yeah i don't have any plans for a talk um i i read your post john but i i have trouble thinking of what i would talk about i can't believe with with the guests you have once a week your mind is blown with the guests you have you've okay. got something there that you guys say oh yeah i'd like to follow up on that i'd like to give a talk on that i can't believe that you don't uh, i'm sure there's lots of topics that you have that's maybe your best moments from cpp cast maybe i'll start on that side project i was talking about soon and uh maybe that'll inspire me that's what you should do 
Actually, that is the obvious question that I was going to ask you earlier, and, and that is, do you guys have uh, a particular favorite moment of the, the podcast you want to talk about or responses you've got? I know um, you always read a piece of feedback at the top of every show, um, but is there anything that really touched you or something you want to share that, or maybe something uh, tragic? <laughs> I don't know of anything tragic. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we've had any uh, CPP cast tragedies. No, um, no. I don't All know. Guests are still alive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's been really great being able to talk to so many people in the community. I mean, we've got to talk to like Scott Myers and Bjarne Strustrup and Andre. Um, just being able to have people like that on the show has been such an honor. Uh, I'd say those are my favorite moments. Um, so maybe this is. I expect that you got a ton of downloads when you had uh, Bjarne and you had Scott on. Here's my question to you. What's the surprise? Some no-name that got a lot of downloads. Maybe I shouldn't say no-name, but someone you wouldn't expect got a lot of downloads. Because I would have expected them. Yeah, we we definitely have had much larger uh, (laughs) download numbers when we have like Scott Myers or or Andre or Bjarne on. Um, It seems that game development episodes are pretty popular. So like when we had um, Ben Dean on the show from Blizzard, uh, he had a pretty uh, high you know, download rate for that one. I feel like when we've talked about other programming languages, that sometimes yeah. has higher downloads too, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll share every episode on, you know, social media and I'll share it to like Reddit RCPP. But when we have an episode that feels relevant to share it elsewhere, like like Jason said, if we talk about D or or some other programming language, then I'll try to share it to those communities as well. And that will kind of get us an influx of listeners for at least that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, as we kind of like implied earlier, the C++ community doesn't seem to be quite as passionate as some of the other language communities. And so if a different, more passionate, if a, if a, if a passionate language community picks that up, then we'll get more downloads. I feel like I was referring to maybe a previous state of the community. I think it's become a much more passionate community. It is, but it's, at least that's my take on it. I, yes, I totally agree. I just feel like it's we're still a little less passionate than the younger language communities. Well, yeah, if you're talking about some new language, then you're going to have uh, missionaries, zealots, who are strongly believing in this new language. It's it's yeah. hard to have that kind of passion about C++. It's been around a long time. It's collected a lot of baggage. Uh, no, I can see why um, there's a lot of people, I think like me, who, who are strong believers in C++ because it's because it is there's lots of industry buy-in, there's lo- lots of platforms, there's all this you know, all good sorts of good reasons. But at the other, on the other hand, it's a, it's with full knowledge that there's a lot of baggage. Right? There's there's just a lot of decisions that if we could go back and say, uh, could we change what the committee did on vector bool? You know, there's lots of things that are uh, make the language less pleasant, but we're locked to it. And, and so that it's hard to get all excited. It's a new language that you say, oh, wow, this is going to solve all the problems. You know, all that uh, vector bool nonsense, you don't have that here. You know, what you're really talking about is we're, we're making a whole set of new mistakes that we haven't recognized are mistakes yet. We won't know that for another, you know, another five or 10 years. Um, so I understand why new languages are automatically, the people involved are much more passionate about them. Partly because 
they're doing them almost entirely entirely on their own time. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get a job at D or Rust, well, there are some jobs like that. But most of the people, I, my guess is most of the people trying D or Rust are doing it on their own time. That's a good point. We, we've talked so, on our show before about the concept of uh, dark matter developers. You know, how the, the people we see in the community who are going to user groups and going to conferences, that's only like maybe 1%, if not less. But they're, you know, thousands and, and millions of C++ developers who are just going to their jobs every day and, and not really participating in the active community. So I think there's maybe even more so of that with C++ than there are with other languages. Yeah. You know, if uh, well, I don't know how many more minutes we have left on the show, but if you don't mind, John, if you just said, you know, all this baggage with C++, and I've had this question that I've I've brought up on Twitter, I bring it up with my classes, I've thought about it a lot over the last several months. What is the baggage that if we could get rid of it in C++, like the backward compatibility, the true, like this feature has no use, we need to get rid of it. And I finally just came up with the answer this morning for what my answer would be. Okay, I'm dying. Oh, well, I'm going to talk about it at my CP, C++ oh. now. <laughs> uh, it will come up in my C++ now talk, but I will say it's this. Implicit conversion from array to pointer. We need strongly... We, we, the weakly typed C array, that's the thing that needs to go away. I, I'm not certain that that's the worst, but I can see that. That causes problems. It causes um, problems, and it has no... Like, if we could still do an implicit conversion to a pointer when you needed to... I mean, an, an, yes, an explicit, excuse me, conversion to a pointer when you needed to. Just the implicit conversion to a pointer, that's terrible. Or just call begin. Right, right. You just use standard begin on it. Yeah. Um, I think the entire declaration syntax of C is just a nightmare. I mean, we get used to it, but it's not, it is not at all. It just makes no sense at all. Um, the, you know, we, we don't realize that, that using the asterisk to say this is a pointer and using the asterisk to dereference a pointer is, is a completely different thing. And using this, you know, the same symbol in both situations, it just leads to more confusion. It's just crazy. Um, it, you know, it leads to the whole West cons, to East cons thing. The whole declaration syntax is just crap. And one of the things I find about that is that when you see someone who is trying to write a new language to solve all our language problems, what they inevitably do is they, they say, well, we want it to be uh, something that C, people who know C are going to be comfortable with. So they accept the C syntax, which is the first thing I would throw away. And then they say, but, you know, pointers are difficult. So we'll throw out pointers. And, you know, we'll create a language that doesn't have pointers. It's like, uh, yeah, to me, it's just, you're throwing out functionality, but you're embracing crappy syntax. So it's crazy to me. Rust threw away the syntax that's not C-style syntax. Yeah. And if you go and look at what people say about Rust, they're like, I love the concept of Rust, but the syntax is just too hard for me to wrap my mind around. So, well, I understand you're going to get resistance on it, but that's, you know, you, you've learned something awful and you're in, you're, you're numb to the pain, but <laughs> you get away from it and you start to think about, and I'm not sure Rust has solved it with a, with a, with what's really a better syntax. I don't know. 
Oh, I don't know if it's better or not. I'm yeah, just saying right. that that's what they did. They did break yeah. this syntax. Yeah. Um, I think that, that using equals for assignment is a mistake. It was a conscious decision because in BCPL, it was, uh, I think it was colon equals to do assignment. And um, uh, I think it was Thompson who said, ah, it's just too much work. We'll just make it equal sign. And then he used equal equal to do equality. And I just think that's a little unintuitive and doesn't really add much. The equal sign doesn't really mean what, the, what we think of mathematically what it means. And I mean, in, 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 in our world, it's perfectly sane to say something like J equals J plus two. But as a mathematical statement, it makes no sense at all. And we're used to it. So we forget that it's nonsense. But, but it's nonsense. And, uh, you know, once you get, see, that's the problem is once you get immersed in it, you accept it. And you say, oh, this is, yeah, we're going to write a new language, but we want it to be comfortable for people. So we're going to continue with the same nonsense. That's the stuff you should throw away. Keep pointers. Just make them easier to use in a safe ways, whatever that is, right? And I think Rust has done some interesting stuff with their whole dividing things into critical sections and things like that. Um, that's that's interesting. It's a very interesting to play. Anyway, um, probably I guess we're kind of winding down here, and I think uh, I, I've really enjoyed having you guys on. I think it was uh, great for you guys to come on, and and uh, <laughs> we're encroaching on your turf now. Oh. I don't know. Did we ever make this announcement? I don't know if we actually made this announcement. We are now going to be an audio as well as video podcast. I yeah, guess that kind of made that was kind of implied in what I said to begin with. Yeah. Um, so we're going to continue to do the video, but um, we're now going to do the audio. And um, those of you who watch the episode that we recorded at ACCU, you'll hear me use the same joke where I say it was inevitable that we would do audio because all my life I've been told that I'm so good looking I should be on the radio. <laughs> So, um, so now that's fulfilled, and we're going to be an audio podcast as well as a video podcast. Uh, any anything else we should say before we wish everyone safe coding? Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add, Rob? Um, one thing we've had a lot of listeners ask us to do is to pre-announce our guests, and something I need to get better at actually doing. Uh, but we're going to have Kate Gregory on next week. So, Ooh. anyone who uh, is interested in asking Kate some questions, feel free to send us a tweet or send us an email and, and maybe we can get that question into the show notes. Did you, did you see the question that was raised in the, uh, in the, in chat where they were saying you guys should have a live show at CPP con where you take questions from the audience. Yeah. If you want to do that, Rob, let me know. Something to consider. Yeah. Um, we, should, we should do a live CPP chat at the same time and people will have to choose a CPP chat cast. Yeah. <laughs> No, it we should be, be uh, rooms and we just turn up our volume and uh, <laughs> drop me. Oh, like, like a true like battle podcast. of the bands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason, do you have anything you want to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I okay. think we've talked about you. Know, I mean, you asked me so much about what I'm up to right now. I don't have anything to left to sell. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys should continue to say that you're the. Uh, only C++ podcast, the only podcast for C++ developers by C++, and then we will say that we're the other only C++ podcast. <laughs> Bill, did you have anything you wanted to add before we say goodbye? No, I think we've uh, we, we've covered it for now. There were 
few more questions from the chat, but I can't think of a, of a good one to finish on. <laughs> well, then I guess we'll uh, wish you all uh, safe coding, and uh, uh, we will we will be back uh, next week. We have, as we said, the ACCU episode, and Jason and Rob will have Kate Gregory, which is promising to be an exciting episode. I look forward to that. Um, and then we will have the C++ Now episode. I don't think Rob will be there, but uh, Jason and, and Phil and I will be with that one. So we'll we'll certainly be in touch. And um, so until then, safe coding. Safe, safe coding. coding, John. Bye.